Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks for joining us and joining us once again, Pastor Phil Allen of the Daystar Christian Fellowship. Phil, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I like being here. Even though you make fun of me and you're, you're, you're rooting against me already because yeah. you're wanting me to mispronounce our topic for today. Right. So we are continuing in our Attribute of God series. This is episode six and we're talking about the sovereignty of God. And I said that right. The sovereignty of God. Now, last week we talked about God's supremacy with uh, Pastor Tim Johnson. So this week, we're kind of slumming it a little bit with Phil. Right. But anyway, the sovereignty of God. Now, there is, you and I were just talking about, there is a lot of controversy surrounding this topic. And we're not really going to go there Mm -hmm. so much as talking about, as... Sometimes when we get in these debates, we miss the whole point of what the doctrine is actually about because we're focused on the controversy and we're focused on the, the resistance to, to whatever. So we're talking about the sovereignty of God. Pink defines it this way. The exercise of his supremacy. Hmm. He is the most high, Lord of heaven and earth, subject to none, influenced by none, absolutely independent. God does as he pleases, only as he pleases, always as he pleases, <laughs> None can thwart him, none can hinder him. Phil, what do you think about that definition of sovereignty? I, I, that just floors me. Yeah. I think it's absolutely right. Right. It just floors me. You know, in that that trifold thing of, of as he pleases, only as yeah. he pleases, always as he pleases. Right. You know, really sums it up to me that that you know sovereignty is that is that practical exercise of his authority. Yeah. Of his you talked about supremacy last week. Pink ties it back to that, that that he is supreme, but it's not just in character. It's not just in name. It's in action. Right. It's not just that he can do what he wants. It's that he does what he wants. So God just didn't create a world and let it be. Right. But he actively engages the world and reigns over it and, again, does as he pleases. Yeah. Within this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, again, he roots it in creation, which I think it's good. God created this world. He owns this world and thus has the right to do with it as he pleases. Mm-hmm. Um, I illustrate this in a great technical way. So maybe you, you, can, you can think about this and follow along. When I talk about this in class, I bring in Play-Doh. And, nice. I, and I give out some Play-Doh and I say, all right, make whatever you want to make. And you can make a little... If you're like me, you can make get real creative, like make a little ball mm-hmm. or a snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, some can get a little more creative than that and make whatever. Yeah. But it's it, I'm, I'm trying to harken back to kind of Romans 9 and the potter and the clay mm-hmm. and how absurd it is for the clay to look up to the potter and say, well, I don't want to be this. I'd rather be a plate or a dish or something. But I guess plate and dish are the same thing. But anyway, I'd rather be something else. But no, that's ridiculous. You, no. you it's the potter who has power over this. And if you're playing with your little Play-Doh, you can make whatever you want to make. I, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do with it. Right. But so God looks over this world as something he's created and says, this is mine. I, I am the king over this. Which is hard for us. Yeah. Because, you know, we are on one level, we're, we're independent beings in, in one meaning of the word independent. Right. And we're, we're self-conscious. We're self-aware. Um, we, we feel like, uh, we are this sort of thing that exists and has a right to exist. Yeah. We talk about our rights all the time. Right. 
And setting ourselves in the context, I think this is one of the reasons we struggle with this so much, setting ourselves in the context of a sovereign creator God who is sovereign over me, who yeah. created me. He owns me. Whether I acknowledge him or not doesn't change the yeah. fact that he owns me. He has a right to do with me as he desires. That's offensive. It, it just is. sounds offensive. Right. And it feels yeah. offensive. And and I, and when you, you know, it, it is offensive until you add in God's other attributes. Yeah. You know, but but even adding in his other attributes... What that says about God and about me is is so profound yeah. and and is in a sense so counterintuitive to what I feel should be true that it's really just it's a shocking yeah. concept. R.C. Sproul tells a story. I could, I couldn't find the book because my two year old and my one year old their greatest joy in life is to deshelve all of my books. Anyway. Uh, he tells a story about sitting down for dinner with a uh, pastor out in England, and he was coming to this country to preach or something. And they're discussing about the revolution. Because you want to bring up the fact that, ha-ha, you know, we beat you. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, the greatest struggle I have is how do I preach about God to a country that's rejected a king? Hmm. But yeah, that's, I mean, we, we are big on democracy, or what we call democracy. We live in a republic, but I'm not going to into that debate right now um where we want to rule over ourselves and we have the right of autonomy and and uh you know we have almost a libertarian bent toward i i want to if it feels good to me and i'm not hurting anybody else i'm going to do it because it's what i want to do yeah and that, that individual core kind of right. of our of our society, of our worldview, of, of I am me, yeah, and and almost in a sense I am supreme over me. You know, I may acknowledge I'm not supreme over you, right? But but over my life, it's my choices, it's my desire, it's my will. You know, is is really at odds, yeah, with what God shows us about Himself, about ourselves, and about how we're supposed to relate to each yeah. other. Um, that really gets down to, uh, a pra- we'll get into the practical le- level in a minute, but I, I want to kind of preview that in a sense or jump ahead. That I don't, I, I, when it comes to even theology, the greatest obstacle I have to overcome with students, with myself and with others, is that whole idea, but I just think that God would dot, dot, dot. Yes. I just think that, and... It just seems like, how can you go against what I, I think it? Right. And so this doctrine smacks us in the face. It does. And says, you are not autonomous. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. Yeah. I own you. I created you. Yeah. And I will do with you as I please. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'd really like, I'm glad you said we're going to get to the sort of practical application. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd like to dwell there for a little while. Uh, if, if if you don't mind when we get there, um, because at the same time, while that is offensive, you know, at at the same time, pink I, pink quote Spurgeon, yeah, which I just love, and where where Spurgeon said, "There's no attribute more comforting to his right. children," right? You know, and and what a what an amazing blend of confrontation and comfort, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. because it it confronts me at my core to acknowledge him as sovereign, 
and yet, you know, I'll tell you about it when we get there. But man, I had a time where I needed him to be sovereign, yeah. and and I needed to be able to 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 grab hold of him being sovereign. Well, let's deal with some of these scriptures. Let's get these scriptures yeah. out of the way, then we'll talk about your personal experience, <laughs> right? Because that's, that's how clearly we do the defining thing. <laughs> Isaiah forty six ten. Um, I'll start from verse nine. I am God; there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. I will accomplish all yes. my purpose. Everything that I set out to do, I right. will do. This isn't like me with my list of things that never get done. Right. God says it. It will absolutely happen from the end to the beginning. Yep. Exactly. Or, or we tie in Ephesians one eleven. Yeah. I know you had that one down too. In him, we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of, and then him who works all things according to the purpose or, or counsel of his will. All, all things. things. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely inclusive. Right. It's not the good things or it's it's all things. And obviously, we're not going to get into it. God's not the author of sin. Right. All of that. But even with that, he never, ever abdicates his sovereignty whatever the lord pleases he does yes on earth in heaven done yeah psalm 135 we we kind of hit on romans 9 the whole idea of potter and the clay and Mm -hmm. i'll have mercy on whom i will have mercy and i'll have just like (laughs) talk about offensive yeah i'll have mercy on whom i'll have mercy i will say if what i'm going to say is just a i'm going to do what i'm going to do and you're going to deal with it that's it it's, it's an amazing thing. And even going, uh, talking about Jacob, have I loved, Esau, have I hated. We're talking about, you know, getting to areas of election. Mm-hmm. And saying, you know, I, I made this choice. And right. it was before they had a chance to do anything right, anything wrong. Before they were even in existence. Right. This has been my plan. Yeah. And I will do it. Yeah. Which, go, go ahead. And I think it's so important for us just to, um, I know way back in the first episode, you and I talked about way, way about the importance of just being in awe sometimes yeah. and, and just going, wow. Okay, so then, Phil, let's switch gears, and we're going to move into our controversies or dangers to avoid. And you were telling me about a church that you had seen on vacation. Uh, you drove by this church. Tell us a little bit about that. And we went by a free will church. Yeah. You know, it feels like we got to make a stand, such a stand on this, that we're going to put it in the name of our church, you know, that that humans have free will. And and I think that most people um, who embrace sovereignty wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, in fact, I I kind of like what J.I. Packer did. He has a little book called Sovereignty of God and and Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. And he said, it's two things that feel like they're contradictory, but they aren't. Right. And we can't really explain why yeah. they aren't. And we can't explain and, that because it goes back to the very first week that God is above us. God's above us. And he's not, it's not going to make complete sense. It can't possibly make complete sense to us. Right. Uh, because we don't have the finiteness to grasp all of that. But I also make it a point to say, you know, when it comes to autonomy, human autonomy, we don't have it in the sense of, yes, we make decisions every day, but we can't do everything that we choose to do. No, no. You know, I can't choose to fly. Now, right. Phil would 
volunteer to throw me off the roof. But if he does, I'm going to make a large splat and probably a large crater. Uh, I can't make decisions. And, and there are certain decisions that I'm just more prone to. Yep. You know, if you put chocolate and vanilla ice cream in front of me. I love vanilla ice cream. I don't really, I'm not a big fan of chocolate. Every time I'm going to choose a vanilla. Sure. Though, no one's forcing me to right. do so. We, we all are, we all act according to our nature. Yes. And, yes. and so we do have a limited will to some extent. But it, it, it can't be denied. I still make decisions. Yeah, and I think... And, and I'm responsible for those decisions. And maybe our attempt to intellectually reconcile those is one of the dangers. Yeah. You know, I, I went through a period where I felt like I have to figure out how those fit together. Yeah. I read several books on it, but either they sacrificed sovereignty or they sacrificed right. human responsibility. They didn't say they were, but yeah. they were. You have to accept there's tension there and there's going to be tension there. Yeah. And just embrace the tension. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, all right, let's get to application. And you, you mentioned Spurgeon's quote. Yeah. I'm going to read that here. This is Sp- uh, Pink quoting Spurgeon in regards to uh, Matthew 20:15. There is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the, admo- the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions that sovereignty overrules them, that sovereignty will sanctify them. There is nothing for which the children ought most earnestly to contend that the doctrine of the, of the master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his own hands, the throne of God and his right to sit on that throne. On the other hand, there is no doctrine more hated by worldlings, no truth of which they have made such a football as the great stupendous but yet most certain doctrine of the sovereignty of the infinite Jehovah. Men will allow God to be everywhere except on his throne. But let's focus on, on that idea of this is this should be comforting. And this yeah. is where you and I were talking, we get into debates about this, sometimes we miss the whole point. Right. The whole point is not to fight over free will and the sovereignty of God, but to rest in a God who, who is in charge of all things. So Phil, you have a personal experience you want to talk about when it came to just the idea of trusting in God's sovereignty during a difficult time. I do and I think you know it's so important for us to kind of get hold of the idea that the sovereignty of God should be comforting and um, several years ago we were sitting in church went through church just as normal and one of the people who's sitting behind behind us came up and said I think your daughter has scoliosis and um, you know we'd been to the doctor every year and there were never any signs of it we had no indicators and I immediately wanted to dismiss it because it couldn't possibly be because we'd had her checked and um, but this was a person that should know and so eventually Jean and I kind of got to the spot of saying okay we really need to get her in because this person should know and And it turned out that um, right at the first diagnosis, which was on on Valentine's Day, she had a 60-degree curve in her spine already. And um, talking to the doctor, she just had to have surgery. There were no options. There were no alternatives. Um, It would have eventually literally been a life-ending issue for her. She wouldn't have been able to bear children. Um, And trying to come to terms with that was very difficult because she had to have a significant portion of her spine fused the thought of a doctor cutting open my daughter's Mm. back and putting rods in it was very very difficult and I had a friend who said 
to comfort me, said, um, you know, well, you, you know that God loves her and loves you, and he wouldn't do that. Hmm. And that's what the person said, and I, I appreciated the thought. I appreciated that they wanted me to find the comfort of God loving us. But they offered that by sacrificing the sovereignty yeah. of God. And, you know, in that moment when it was so hard and so radical and so unknown what we and she would be facing, I needed God to be sovereign. And yeah. I needed to be able to stand on, I don't understand this, I don't like it, but his hand is in this. Because if, if he just loves us, that's not enough to, right. to trust him because he may not be able to change yeah. or handle whatever it is. And so in those months where we were going through that, um, the idea of the control of God right. was just vital to me. Um, and I think that's important to grasp that his sovereignty is comforting. Yeah. I think that phrase that, you know, God wouldn't do that. Right. Wow. How do we read through scripture, read through a book like Job or think God wouldn't do that? But you, you understand, I mean, what, where that person's coming from. Because oh, do, yeah. we do believe in the goodness of God. In fact, you and I are going to talk about that on a, on a later episode. Yeah. And God is good and God is loving. But because he's good and loving, sometimes he does put us through those certain circumstances. Right. That challenge us, that throw us off. And he has a purpose. He has a will behind that. I just think, man, what if God didn't have a purpose or will in these things? And what if he wasn't sovereign? Yeah. You know, what if it was like, okay, yeah, he doesn't want me to go through this, but here it is, and it's out of his control. Right. It's certainly out of my control. That's not comforting. Not at all. <laughs> Even if he loves me, that's right. not comforting. So while it may seem like, oh, man, how can I believe the sovereignty of God? Well, how can I not? Yes. How can I function every day? I, I don't know how the atheist or the unbeliever does it. I don't know either. I, but... All right, so let's we'll, we'll we'll wrap off as we always do, talking about some uh, resources to dig in a little deeper. You already mentioned uh, by J.I. Packer the sovereign sovereignty of God. What is it? The evangelism, evangelism and the sovereignty, and the sovereignty of God. Of God. Right. Yeah, I, it's a little book, pretty yeah. easy read, and um, I like that he he just uses this word antimony for yeah. sovereignty and human responsibility. Scripture clearly teaches both, but right. we're not going to be able to grasp how they fully yeah. fit together. I think it's a, a good little book on it. And A.W. Pink has also written a book completely about the sovereignty of God, which I read in college, and it was foundational in, in my theology. And it's, again, it's, it's a little read. And I also want to recommend um, The Attributes of God by A.W. Tozer. Yes. His section on sovereignty is pretty good. I... I don't agree necessarily with every little thing he wrote in there, but especially his application section and that little section on sovereignty is really helpful. It's comforting, and you'll be blessed by it if, if you read that. Hmm. Well, thank you, Phil, for joining us once again. And what you guys have probably already figured out as you're listening to this podcast, it's choppy at points because I screwed up the first recording. And so this is our, not just take two, but we tried to splice things together here and there. So I apologize if it sounds... Uh, really off. I mean, Phil sounds off anyway, no matter where he is. And, and remember but... that God's sovereign. Yes. And so that's why I wasn't throwing the computer across the room or cursing everything out because I had to remember the sovereignty of God. So I hope you remember the sovereignty of God and remember to tune in, not tune in, download our program next week or listen to it, live stream or what, not live. I'm just messing everything up. So I'm going to stop now. <laughs> so uh, join us next week. We're going to be talking about uh, the immutability of God, the fact that God does not change, 
So that'll be uh, part seven in our series here on the attributes of God. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.